This is episode 285 of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. Today, Carrie Lawrence, CEO of Decel.com, joins me on the show and we talk about how to use customer data to improve retention. So let's dive right into it. This is the e-commerce coffee break. A top-rated Shopify growth podcast dedicated to Shopify merchants and business owners looking to grow their online stores. Learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host, Klaus Lauter, and get marketing advice you can't find on Google. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce Coffee Break podcast. Today we want to find out a little bit more about customer retention and how you can use data to boost this retention. Now, this is a wide topic and we want to dive into different areas of that. And with me on the show, I have Carrie Lawrence. Carrie is the CEO of Desal.com, a customer data analytics platform whose mission is to help e-commerce brands grow profitable. Desal spun out of Social Code in July 2020, where Carrie was the co-founder back in 2010. Prior to Social Code, Carrie worked in an ad innovations group at Washington Post Digital and served as a program associate in the Aspen Institute in the Communications and Society program and has roots in the agencies world. She also holds a master degree in communication culture and technology from Georgetown University and also taught digital analytics in Georgetown. Town's PR and corporate communications program. So let's welcome her to the show. Hi, Klaus. Thank you for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be sharing some coffee with you this morning and a chat. Coffee is always good. We have a lot to cover there. So let's talk about, and I found this on your website, and I really like the approach there. When we talk about customer retention, about data, you basically break it down in three parts, identify, assign, and measure. And so give me a bit of a background. What's your idea behind that? Yeah. And I think I would say like bigger picture, our belief is that a marketer's first party customer data is their most valuable marketing asset. And so what we really want to help them do is find those most valuable customers, those who are going to be repeat purchasers, really helping them to drive that profitable growth. So as you mentioned, you know, identification is a key first step. So a lot of the merchants or clients that we work with, you know, they'll come to us and say, we, we know we have a lot of data, but it just feels noisy. We're not quite sure how to manage it. And so I think, especially in today's world, with everything moving towards more identity-based marketing, it's really important that they're able to you know, make sense of that data and identify who are those highest value customers. And so, you know, of course, that's going to be looking at high lifetime revenue. What are those customers driving to their business? Are they coming back? You know, are their repurchase rates? in good shape. But you also want to think about profitability. So if you have a customer who's constantly returning things or only buy from discount, maybe they're not a highest value customer. So being able to identify those and understand them at any dimension, I would say a very common practice that we see is a lot of marketers look at some of their cohorts. But when they think of you know those cohorts or subsections of data, they think about just the month that they were acquired. But we would say it's really important to also understand cohorts by demographic, for instance. So how are males purchase behaviors differing from females? Which one of those are more valuable? Or what about various personas? So for instance, an urban mom like me, you know, in the city who likes to travel might have different buying behaviors. Let's say even from you, class, you might be in a different regional area. You might have different type products that you have an affinity for. So identify those high value customers, understand from every dimension what makes them high value. And then really what we want to do is kind of move everyone to quicker actions. So the ability to assign every new customer that a client acquires, you want to be able to instantly map them to the persona. So I think what happens a lot of times is 
you acquire the data, you're building up your CRM, but you're not sure how that customer profile is evolving over time. So, so much is going on in the world that consumer behaviors are constantly changing. And you have to kind of understand as quickly as possible which persona those new customers are going to map to so you know the right way to talk to them. You know which products to show them. You know when it's time to you know hit them with a re- remarketing message. And ultimately, as I said, like track their value over time. So sometimes what we'll see is you know a client keeps acquiring the same type customer, but their value is dropping over time. And they might miss that there's this new persona or this new subset that is going to be more valuable for them over time. So as you said, I think I'd be able to identify those high value customers, quickly assigning them to the right persona so you could start talking to them and engaging with them in the right way and then tracking them over time. Mm -hmm. I think the key there is really what you say is understanding your customer. And most merchants have like plenty of different apps and platforms they're working on. They might be on Shopify, they're running Facebook ads. From all of these aspects, different platforms, data is coming in becomes really, really difficult to read out what's happening there. And before the interview, you mentioned the term data enrichment. And I found this very interesting. Tell me a little bit about what data enrichment is and how it helps a merchant. Yeah, no, it's a great question and something that's not immediately obvious. But at the highest level, data enrichment is trying to provide a fuller picture of someone. So in this case, what you would do, if you think about a, a typical CRM or a customer list, you have you know a record of a data, you might have you know, obviously you need some sort of identifier like an email address and you probably have some of their purchase behaviors. So, you know, you know, when they made their first purchase, you know, what was their average order value, et cetera. But what's nice about enrichment is then the ability to append all these softer metrics, if you will, to that customer profile. So demographic insights, psychographic purchase behavior, you know, really understanding what do they care about? Are they someone who likes to travel? Are they someone who typically buys high-end beauty products? Are they someone who, let's say you're thinking about a sports sponsorship, are they someone who you know attends live sporting outings? So the ability to kind of give that fuller picture of your customers, but what it also does is it allows you to segment those customers in a more granular way. So you can start to segment them by those third-party um, attributes as well. Mm-hmm. Now with your platform, obviously you're pulling a lot of data from different platforms and then you do sort of the the measurement, the analytics of it, and then the outcome is, and that's what you're going to help me with, um, to get all these findings, all of these results in the right channels to get better customers. How does that work? So we would kind of describe ourselves as an all-in-one customer data and analytics platform that's you know built by marketers, our background is in marketing, and custom-built for marketers. And as you said, like data could be living in lots of different places. So we do have a native integration with Shopify, but we can pull in that commerce data from anywhere. We've got, you know, any first party identifiers or information. Some of our clients recently, it's interesting, they're starting to pull in survey data into the platform as well. But I would say, so for instance, if you want to understand what is a customer NPS score, how do they feel about you as a brand? Um, But pulling together, you need some sort of platform that's going to act as that data aggregator and the ability to kind of pull everything together. Now, with us, what we noticed was there were a lot of CDPs out there, but functioning primarily as pipes. And then there were sort of the analytics companies, but there didn't seem to be a lot that were kind of pulling these pieces together. So the analytics is important to kind of cover off on what we talked about earlier, which is how do you identify which are your most valuable customers? How do you leverage machine learning to be a little bit more advanced with how you're developing audiences and engaging with more personalized marketing. And then you also need to 
kind of fit seamlessly with a client's workflows. I mean, there's one thing I've learned over my career is you can't just create a software platform and expect people to go in and, and use it if it's not easy to integrate with all their workflows. So having those integrations with, you know, like the acquisition platforms, like a Meta, Google, et cetera, but then also the remarketing platforms, like your e- email service provider, um, like a Klaviyo or an SMS provider, you need to be able to kind of have all those connections, have a way to refresh that data on a regular cadence um, so that you can act on it. And that is the real activation piece because, you know, if you're just sitting on this data and then we see this sometimes too, a merchant might have, a, you know, a robust analytics team and they've got access to a lot of stuff, but it's really hard to kind of make that access to analytics and insights uh, more democratic across the organization. So the marketing folks were often very disconnected from like the the data and the analyst in the BI teams. So what we want to do is bring those pieces together and then, you know, make the whole organization analytics minded and then make it very easy to act on that. I love that you mentioned that Desire.com is built from marketers for marketers. I think um, I'm in digital marketing for, I don't know, 20 plus years. And the scenario that you just mentioned is that a lot of platforms are built by data analysts uh, by analytics companies. And I think Google Analytics GA4 is the best example there. It takes you a long time to catch up and find the data that you're looking for. And then having a platform that makes it so much easier for a marketer to find what you're looking for and to find results makes perfect sense. Now, I want to dive a little bit more into um, the day-to-day work on your platform as a marketer. So what would my day look like going in there? And then also I want to touch a little bit more on segmentation. So what I can really out out of it. Talk me through it. So we're going to be refreshing that, you know, sales and transaction data, all that data on um, a weekly or if not daily basis. Most of our clients are moving towards more of those daily refreshes. And then what they're going to do is they're going to come into the platform and they're going to have a couple different kind of sections within the platform. One, and some of this depends on the stakeholder and their use case. So if you're a VP of e-commerce, for instance, or a founder CEO, you're probably going to go into our out-of-the-box e-commerce reporting suite so you can understand things like your classic spaghetti chart or your cohorting, your lifetime revenue and repurchase rates by cohort. Or maybe you want to look at your LTV to CAC ratios and understand you know, your efficiency. So we see a lot of those type stakeholders really spending time in those reports. Or maybe they want to understand how are your highest value customers, which products are they purchasing? What does that purchase journey look like? But then, as you also alluded to segmentation, there's a real kind of advanced action component built into the platform as well. So let's say, and this was very common, a lot of our clients over the holidays were really leaning into, and I was, I guess I would say personalized audience, you know, segmentation and activation. So really, you can go in there in real time, you can segment by first party metrics, like who are my highest value customers or my top 10% top decile. <laughs> so that's kind of, sort of like where our name came from. Or maybe you want to say, I want to find, um, look at different personas. And I really want to understand for my female East Coasters, you know, what's going on with those folks. And then maybe you want to tailor it by promotion or product. So again, one of the strategies we saw a lot of our clients using successfully over the holidays, you know, at that point, merchants are sending multiple messages a day during those key buying timeframes, right? So if you're getting two or three emails, a couple texts, You don't want this to just be some blasted message. You want to know, here's your promotion, Carrie, for 30% off. I know that you typically buy shirts from us. So this is, you know, the shirts that you hit that are now available. 
here's the best way that you can come purchase it. So being able to really tailor that is really important. So I would say segmentation, if you're just segmenting by customers who came in through a certain channel or customers who were acquired by a certain time, you're kind of missing an opportunity to do more of that personalized marketing. Hey, Klaus here, just a quick one. If you like the content of this episode, subscribe to the weekly newsletter at newsletter.ecommercecoffeebreak.com. I score and curate 50 news sources so you don't have to, saving you hours of research. Grow your revenue with e-commerce news, marketing strategies, tools, podcast interviews, and more, all in a quick three-minute read. So head over to newsletter.ecommercecoffeebreak.com to subscribe. As said, 100% free. Also, you will find the link in the show notes. And now back to the show. Mm -hmm. I want to touch a little bit on the coming changes when we talk about first party cookies. So there's a lot of changes going on. Apple and Google is is not making it easier for us as marketers out there. How do you deal with that? And then touching on that data security, tell me a little bit on what kind of challenges are coming into play when we talk about that. Yeah. And I would say for Decile, this is a good thing for us because with cookies going away, and and it's kind of like I, the boy who cried wolf, right? People have been talking about this happening forever. But now that Chrome is saying, like, we are actually testing, we are, you know, we're the largest browser and 1% of our, you know, our users are now not, you know, those cookies are going away. So it's the time is actually finally really hitting. But what we would say, we would always say your first party data, again, is your most valuable asset. So we like to see this is an opportunity for us in a kind of a cautionary tale, a heads up for marketers to say, if you're not already collecting your first party data and managing that yourself, you're just relying on platform reported insights and cookies or device IDs, like it's time to start collecting that first party data because then you're you're fine. You've got access, you're, you have control over that customer data and you can kind of activate it accordingly and you know really learn. And that's where the enrichment also comes to play. It can help really learn a lot about your customers. Um, so I would say that's if you're not already heading in that direction, that's where marketers should really be leaning into. Um, and then as far as data security, always very important. I would say make sure that whoever you're working with to manage that data for you is SOC 2 type 2 compliant. So that sounds like a lot of jargon, but it's basically like the highest level of data certification. So just I always tell people like, look, whether it's with us or someone else, just make sure that it's someone who's gone through that third party auditing process and really you feel safe with you know them helping you with your data. Mm -hmm. Who's your perfect customer? Are there any specific categories, these industries that um, work more with you than others? We tend to work best with brands who have fast moving data or purchase cycles. So we work a lot with mm -hmm. fashion and apparel companies, health and beauty, consumables and home goods. I would say those are the four main categories. So the ability to really kind of learn a lot by those repurchase rates, those behaviors, um, those are the categories that we work best with. Okay. Now you have your finger on the pulse of e-commerce, obviously, with all the clients and all the data coming in. What kind of trends do you see for 2024 coming up? For instance, like AI, how does that play into the e-commerce game? Yeah, I think, and I've been on several panels just listening to how marketers are thinking about this too. I think with regards to AI specifically, I think kind of the first step was brands were using that to help with creative development, right? And especially if maybe it's like, you know, someone is helping to guide the overall creative messaging, but just doing all those variations, customizing it for platforms, that's a huge time saver. I think other marketers are starting to think about how to incorporate AI with, um, you know, product catalogs or product recommendations. And then the way that we're using it, which I think sounds simple, but has the most impact is with personas. So 
using the machines to pull together those first party purchase metrics with those third party kind of demographic and psychographic metrics and insights and really kind of develop um, personas that are subsets of your audience base that you can message to, you know, in a very streamlined way. So personalization, I think you're going to continue to see that as a huge focus. I think that, you know, we continue to see TikTok is becoming more and more present. It used to just be, you know, Google, Facebook, and then your email remarketer. That was kind of the the playbook. And then we saw in 2022, SMS really coming in in a big way. And now I think you see a lot of kind of shop commerce um, happening. And I think, again, continuing to see some of these other platforms being treated a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I like the approach of having AI helping you with building your personas, because that's a difficult task for every marketer. And I think more often than not, they are off with their prediction, their gut feeling what the real customer is, because there's so many data points. And if you can use AI for that to help you with that, I think that's a huge benefit. Now, tell me a little bit about the onboarding process as a merchant. Um, What other steps do I have to do any kind of homework before? How does that work? No, it's very simple. So we are a Shopify app developer, so we can be found in the Shopify app store. So you can just download with a couple clicks and then you'll get assigned a customer success manager. I would say we feel strongly of having that dedicated person to help extract some of those insights and work with you. Um, you don't have to be on Shopify. We can pull your your data in multiple ways. We can do you know a secure FTP transfer. We can automate that via S3 buckets. So the really the first step, first of all, you can reach out to me directly, Carrie, C-A-R-Y at decile.com, and I can connect you to the right person or go ahead and uh, download us via Shopify and we'll we'll get you mapped to the right team. Okay. Tell me a little bit about your pricing structure. How does that work? Yeah. And so these are, these are publicly listed on the App Store too, but generally it coincides with the amount of data that we're managing, which tends to be correlated with like an annual e-commerce revenue. So we have a couple different tiers based on the size of the merchant. And then, you know, we have custom services available as well. If there's like a custom analytics problem that needs solving, you know, we're, we're happy to do that as well. But generally, pricing ranges from about $800 a month to the much larger brands are in the, you know, $10,000 a month range. It's naturally on a month to month cadence. So you don't need to, unlike some of these larger CDP investments, or, you know, you don't have to commit to a 12 or 24 month term, you can kind of go month to month and make sure it's the right fit. Okay, perfect. Before we come to the end of our coffee break today, is there anything that you want to share with our listeners that we haven't covered yet? I guess my parting words would just be to encourage people that now more than ever, it's so important to start gathering that first party customer data. And as long as you're kind of providing an equal value exchange with their customers and giving them personalized promotions and marketing messages, they will gladly provide that information. So um, make sure that you're collecting that and you have a good solid partner to manage that for you. Absolutely true. Yeah. So I think I like the approach of having one single source of data or one single source of truth, as you call it on on your website. So I like that a lot. Where can people find out more about you guys? Yes. Decile.com is our website. And um, as I said, too, feel free to email me directly as well. uh, Carrie at Decile.com, C-A-R-Y. But um, we look forward to hearing from everyone. Excellent. I will put the links in the show notes, then you're just one click away. Carrie, thanks so much for giving you an overview of how really find the right data for your persona, for your data enrichment, and to get more business, more intention, more reliable customers coming back to your business. Thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate your time too, Klaus. 
Hey Klaus here, thanks for joining me on another episode of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. Before you go, I'd like to ask two things from you. First, please help me with the algorithm so I can bring more impactful guests on the show. It will make it also easier for others to discover the podcast. Simply like, comment and subscribe in the app you're using to listen to the podcast and even better if you could leave a rating. Thanks again and I'll catch you in the next episode. Have a good one.